Hey, congratulations, everyone. You've made it to April 27th, 2023. If you've been hanging in there until this day, well done, everybody. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've, we finally made it that, that very important day, which around the Common Good podcast verse, we call that Thursday with astrophysicist Paul Wallace. So, hey, Paul. Hi. Hey, Paul. Um, you know, starting with the skies and the weather, it's beautiful outside here in Minneapolis. Going to be 67 degrees today. Uh, you know, a little wow. overcast, but you can be safe outside without fear of UV radiation. Just a lovely day. Yeah. How are things? How are things there outside of Atlanta? Dark and kind of misty. You know, mm-hmm. kind of. It's not really raining, but it's like non-committal. You know, it's just kind of. Kind of misty and uh, and dark and a little cool. It was actually a little cool. We had a high of sixty yesterday, which is unusual mm-hmm. uh, for, for down here. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. <laughs> and today yeah, the high, I- and today the high is like sixty five or something, which is fine with me, you know, because I, I know the hellish heat is coming. It's coming. Right. It's absolutely coming, and it's just yeah. and another cool day. I'll take it. It's pleasant, you know. It's probably how you feel in like on a warm day in early September or something. That's right. You know, it's yeah, like, day, oh, the, I'll take one more day because I know the hell's, I know the, the yeah. freeze is coming. <laughs> the hellscape is, is on its way. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. promise will be fulfilled. There's there's yeah. no, there's not a lot of promises that are always fulfilled. The weather promise uh, does seem to be one. <laughs> in of August, everything will, be, everything will be brown, you know, in August, you know, so I'm happy. Dan, Dan, maybe you have the same thing there in the smaller lakes in Michigan, obviously not Lake Michigan, but in the smaller lakes here in Minneapolis, they were just frozen two weeks ago, frozen mm-hmm. to the point you could walk yeah. on them, like inches thick. Mm-hmm. Now they're not because we had a, a little heat wave of 87 days. But between the time they're frozen and swimming in them is like six weeks. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. It's frozen solid, uh, so cold, 32 degrees. And then it's like warm enough to swim in. Just the change is, oh, yeah. is just spectacular. But is it, really. is, it still, is it still like when you jump in, is it still like, oh, that's cold? Yeah, or I mean, well, for times. my kids, the time period between is even shorter. They'll, as soon as there's not ice, they're jumping yeah. in. Somehow yeah, immune to the cold. cold. I don't know. I don't understand that. Well, uh, we like to talk about all the important things, including mm-hmm. human interactions, as we did, uh, you know, all week long here. How we socially organize ourselves. What's our story mm-hmm. of politics, faith, the common good, that kind of stuff. We do that all the time, and every other week on Thursdays, we also get to talk about. The ultimate truth in things. Paul, it's interesting in the world of uh, science, um, social sciences, all theologies, right? Biology, mm-hmm. uh, theology, chemistology. Hey, how come the chemists don't get an ology in there, by the way? <laughs> chemistology. Physicists uh, uh, don't either. Hey, hey, the, the, astrologers, the astrologers get it. The astrologers hey. get it, but not the yeah, astronomers. How's that? How's that? How's that happen? How, how do the astrologers come straight sliding in? Well, they knew I, it was I coming. Probably they planned I ahead. Think and they, I think it's because it, astrology came before, and they got oh. the the knowledge, you know, ology piece. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the they, time when we were naming yeah. things with their logics. Yeah, they had naming rights because they showed up first. <laughs> Boy, there's a story that doesn't hold up in America, does it? Um, <clears throat> those that were there first. Get to be in charge. Nope. Nope. Uh, just, take it, just take it if we want. It's been the attitude of this uh, nation's history. But Paul, um, 
when people talk about the ultimate truth of things, boy, nothing seems sort of more ultimate truth than the very nature of the universe itself, for which we have we have uh, some new tools and ways in the last, eh, I don't know, lifetime or so to understand. Oh, really, really oh, yeah. quite quite remarkable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of them, this this big news story from the skies uh, that, that we saw today, which is the headline of this, is um, that they they think they're figuring out now what these quasars are. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so if you if you wouldn't mind, remind those of us that either I don't know finished school before they were teaching about quasars. Which, honestly, God, I think that was the case for me. I, I don't remember. I feel like quasars. They started talking about them like science fictiony stuff, not like in school when I was yeah. in school. Is that true? Quasars are a new no, newish understanding 50 uh, 60 years more than that yeah maybe 60 or 70 something like that um yeah i'd say 60 or 70 i'd say mid mid century uh mid 20th century something like that uh the word quasar you know it, it, it you know it's funny the first thing i think of when i think of quasar is the old tv i had when i was a kid it was totally. a quasar it was a quasar tv um mm -hmm. quasar you know, color four channels, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but honestly, but, a very pleasure uh, producing tactile knob on those TVs. When you would oh, turn yeah, the, the TV satisfying, channel. Satisfying soft click you'd get. Oh, when you, man. <laughs> really, truly, don't you remember it as a kid? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Parents would be like, don't change the channel. And you're just like, oh, I yeah. don't know. I just want to move it from the four to the five. And that, we had four, five, nine, and I think channel 11. What did it go up to? I don't know. But yeah, we'd move those that little dial. Man, that was yeah. just yeah. so because yeah. as a kid, you know, pushing yeah, buttons little, and turning knobs. Yeah, little numbers would, would would click by. We had like two, five, eight, eleven, seventeen, maybe thirty six. So that you know, that was it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, hey, what do you? Why those numbers? And we can get to this on another day. But what, what, do you know are those frequencies? Like, why does everybody have that same no. thing? I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that ABC was two, CBS was five, NBC was eleven, Superstation TBS, which we had in Atlanta when I was like five, um, was wow. seventeen. Public like TV was, was eight. Was TBS Turner Broadcasting Systems? Was that basically a local Ted Turner yeah. channel? Yeah, it started out as a local a local Turner channel, and we had it. We had it before it became the Superstation, and like they started broadcasting Braves games all across the country. Um, we had it local; it was just a local, a local station. Yeah. Wow, but the local kids done good. Good for and you. And they played, and they and they and they played Mash. God love them. Every afternoon huh. between four and five o'clock, two back episodes back to back. I was in like middle school and high school. I'd come home, perfect timing. Mom wasn't home. I could sit and watch <laughs> Mash for two. Okay. Oh, that was so sweet. Isn't that true, Dan? I don't know where you uh, are on the age spectrum of MASH, but I, I did the same thing. Watched MASH as entertainment I, as a middle school kid. I learned kid. a and lot. I, I learned a lot Just from absorbed MASH. some Vietnam trauma as yeah. a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Korean it was placed, war, yeah. Korean placed in war, Korea, right. so it felt more safe. Yeah, it was clearly commentary on, <laughs> on war. Uh, but, you know, look, are, as I've gone into our history of war is really, really, you know, polluting kids' minds with war from the movie Jaws straight through MASH. We won't get into that again. But um, I think about a, a middle school kid now. Would anyone think the show MASH and a, like an adult targeted 
right. comedy, which really wasn't even all that comedic. Right, it but was it pretty was dark. So appealing to uh, a middle school aged mind. I, I, it's it's really amazing, I think, isn't it? I, I think it was basically like Hawkeye and BJ's one liners that that drew you in, you know. And uh, I don't know, you know. But you know, it's all we had, man. We didn't. What else was there? Did you, yeah. Did you have any other options between four and five o'clock? You know, or no? Good I don't. Point. I don't but but here's know. the thing you weren't but but you came home excited to watch that one thing that was available. You didn't watch the thing on the other channels, whatever it was, like you weren't whatever watching that. Something about MASH. And and look, I mean the number of times people including yesterday tell me I look like Alan Alda uh is it's almost daily in the comments unbelievable. section. <laughs> unbelievable. I, I think and I they think don't mean me. Alan Alda when he was Hawkeye. They mean Alan Alda now when he's been on recent shows as his as his health and 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 countenance is fading but i think part of the appeal was that it was the kind of just show that you could get like half the jokes and the half you didn't get you were like mm -hmm. "Ooh, what is you know it was like a grown-up thing and it was appealing because yeah. it was like oh that's that's like i mean mom my, my mom never would have told me not to watch it i don't think she was mm -hmm. like it was like you know she thought it was a problem but i it was kind of appealing because you got the sense that there was like really serious grown-up themes going on that you did, were trying to get, catch a whiff totally. of you know I mean, there was war. There was obviously life yeah. and death issues going on. There's yeah. Hot Lips Houlihan. Uh, there was a guy trying to get out of the military by cross-dressing, cross right? I mean, gen gender and transgender-related issues. Yeah. Like, it was a sophisticated show with yeah. occasional sarcasm, as Peggy says, and one-liners. But you watch MASH now, and you're like, pretty slow burn on that humor, right? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't what's happening. You know, it wasn't kid-targeted no. kid television. No. Something genius, absolutely. But I guess that's the way I think about this Thursday uh, podcast when we do it. This is sort of the mash of uh, <laughs> of live stream podcasts. I'm happy to yeah. be, be part of that. And and to get to your original question, I think you did ask uh, about 30 minutes ago, you asked a question Quasars. about... About quasars, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a, a quasar basically is a um, it's a galaxy. First thing you got to know is that it's a galaxy. It is, um, or to be more specific, it's the central core of a galaxy. If you see that picture right there, you can see that's a galaxy, but the central part of it is by far the brightest part okay. of it. Now, if you take that thing and move it away from us to a distance of a billion light years or two billion light years or three billion light years, all you can see is the core. Okay. And so it looks like a star. Okay. Okay. So that's why they're called quasars because quasar is a mashup of quasi-stellar object because it looks like a star from a long – on a field, on an image of, of – of, of the sky, it looks like a star until you take its light and break it up into a spectrum. And then it looks nothing like a star spectrum. Wow. And so, so what it is, is it's a very, so what we call active galaxy and it's super duper duper far away, which means as we know on this podcast, that means that it, that we're seeing it as it was super duper duper long ago. Yes. That's, that's a, right. that's a truth. We just take to be, right. to be true. Yeah. We don't question yeah. it. Because it's mind bending, <laughs> um, Paul. Hang on a minute. Are you? Is the word quasar an acronym? Is that yes. what you're saying? It, well, it's kind of a mashup. It's because oh, quasi quasi stellar object is where the word quasar came from. Huh. QSO quasi stellar object, but they started. I think they just 
at some point. Somebody, I don't know who it was or when, took that phrase quasi-stellar object. Again, it, it's called that because it looks like a star until you okay. look at it really closely. Okay, yeah. So, um, so for the insiders, the astronomers and astrologists... Uh, they know how to they know how to pay attention to these to these things and notice it. But isn't it um, galaxies that uh, that m merge together or or crash together? Isn't that yes, the, yes, yes? That, that what that, this article is saying. They think they now know quasars were galaxies colliding into each other. That that's what yes. blew my mind about this story. Yes. How yes. in the world, Paul, do, does a galaxy? run into another galaxy. I mean, I watched some car accidents and think, how on earth did those two things collide right there? What yeah. was going on? Like, how'd that car jump the curb and end up, <laughs> you know, in, in that person's living room? How is it that, okay, so like, truly, based on the size of space and that friggin' galaxy, how is one galaxy merging into, colliding into another? I thought that space was expanding it is moving things are moving away how are they running into each other and even without the expanding universe why are galaxies moving around i mean how, crow how crowded is it out there that a galaxy could collide into another galaxy well and, and, and on the biggest possible scale it's not crowded at all but remember that galaxy galaxies come in clusters and oh, super clusters yeah okay yeah so we're part of a group called the local group and the local group is part of something called the local supercluster. So I'll use the word local here a little bit loosely, you know, 50 million light years across, something like that. But um, so that's the first thing to remember is that, is, that, is, that, is that the average distance between all galaxies everywhere is huge. But, um, you know, they do come in clusters where they're all where the average distance is far less. Who who do, who does the naming of these things? Because sometimes things in space get great names. The Milky Way, fantastic, yeah. right? Just that just sounds yeah. sounds terrific. Uranus, you know, right? Uranus Nebula, and then someone decides to describe our the set of galaxies that we're a part of, and the best they can come up with is local galaxies. <laughs> the, the local group, yeah, that's like it. Area man, the local group. yeah. Yeah, the local group Inc. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, you, you're right. You know, like the the, the moons of Uranus are uh, named after Shakespeare characters, but you know the little brown ovals on Jupiter's uh, cloud tops are called brown ovals. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway, we're part of the local group of of galaxies. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it will shock you. It will shock you uh, sure. to to hear, based on the question you just asked me, that our very own Milky Way galaxy is, in a couple billion years, going to be part of a collision with another galaxy. We are okay, so in a headlong, every second that ticks by, tick, 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 we grow 90 miles closer to the Andromeda galaxy. So these galaxies are moving. What... Uh, what causes them to to move? Because they're not moving just because space is expanding, right? Right. Is it's, that the right, right. Is that the right it, phrase? They're not yeah. just moving away. I mean, things right. are getting further apart. This is why I feel like there's two truths about the universe that seem odd to me. One is this expanding verse, and things are moving away from each other. That's yes. why light is further away. With this whole theory that we have, you're seeing things as they as they are. Yes, things years ago. But then galaxies run into each other. So. They're, 
They're both, things are moving yeah. away from each other and some galaxies are moving toward each other. Is that because we're yes. in the same, quote, local group? Yes. And because our gravity, the gravity of the Milky Way affects Andromeda and the gravity of Andromeda it is, affects us. We're close enough to where that gravitational attraction oh. can overcome the expansion of space. So think of the it gravity this way. of the the gravity of the galaxies is what's attracting them to each other, right? But a galaxy fifty so Andromeda is two million light years away right now, a little bit over that, two million light years away, which is big, yeah. Um, but if you think of the Milky Way as like a dinner plate, about okay. the size of a dinner plate. Um, Andromeda is another dinner plate about 20 feet away. Okay. Okay, That's so we're really scale. close to each other. We're really close to each other. Um, and galaxies that are much further than that, the gravity is not, gravity falls off fairly quickly with distance. So their huh. gravity is not enough to make a difference for galaxies much more distant than that. Also, Andromeda is huge. Uh, and so is the Milky Way. So they're, you know, really affecting each other. It seems like it's a big deal for whatever the scientists are now describing uh, that this headline would would be so bold as to say solving the mysteries of the most powerful objects in the universe. That being quasars, is that what they're saying? Quasars are the most powerful yeah, objects yeah, in the universe. The amount of the amount of energy they they put out per second uh, is is unparalleled, essentially, uh, compared to any other object in space enormous What's, amounts of energy is there any meaning of that uh, application for anything we do or are these more descriptions <laughs> of understanding about what's happening like are quasars we're, uh we're just trying to understand reality? what happens. i okay. mean uh are useful <laughs> that's a that's a strong word uh <laughs> uh i don't know if useful you know is 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 Okay. Is uh, is a good word for it. Uh, you know, our own Milky Way was probably could probably probably could have once have been a quasar. I mean, the, we're we're looking at things that happened earlier in the universe's history. We're looking at the building up of galaxies. Okay. The 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 evolution of galaxies, the early stages of galaxy building. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that our own Milky Way was, you know, a quasar. Somebody else is seeing us as a quasar, perhaps. Somebody oh. three billion light years away is looking at the Milky Way and seeing that, you know, a quasar right now. Huh? No, it, it would have been longer than that, more than three billion. But you get the idea. Uh huh. No, I don't. I, I actually <laughs> don't. <laughs> I really wish. I the point is, is our is our if somebody looking at the Milky Way from four, five, six, ten billion light years from here. Okay. It's not seeing the Milky Way as it is now, but as the Milky Way was four, five, ten billion years ago. And it was a quasar then? Could have been. I don't know that it was. Oh. I, I have no reason to suspect that it was, but I'm just trying to give you the perspective so here. It can go from quasar to non-quasar? I mean, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Because the fact that we see them all so far away and none oh, of them close it. by tells us that this is an earlier stage in galaxy development, galaxy evolution. Ah, uh, there you go. That's helpful. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So so maybe a lot of these uh, realities we see used to be in this more compressed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I didn't mention that, but but there are no there are no quasars next door. 
they're all super distant hmm. in the billions, you know, maybe, maybe in the you know, high hundreds of millions, but roughly Incredible. billion light years and further away. Billions and billions. Uh, all right. So on a, on co- closer to home, uh, the yep. tomorrow, I guess we get to watch people leave the international space station and walk outside. How, how does this strike you as an astrophysicist? What, what's your, I, I would love, I would love to do that. Um, I, I I think the historic uh, nature of this is that uh, one of the one of the spacewalkers will be um, Arab, so I think it's a first for I can't remember the fellow's name who's doing it, um, but he's from United Arab Emirates, and um, oh. so uh, he's going to be the first uh, Arab to walk in space. Uh, I think they're going to be replacing some solar panels or something like that, uh, upgrading the the uh, solar panels on the space station. It still feels like that space station is just one of the great human accomplishments that we just don't regularly recognize. Like we've, we yeah. always make a big deal out of astronauts and people flying and landing on the moon and all this. Yeah, but man, people are, I don't, I can't remember how high <laughs> up the space, the space station actually is, but the space station is, is up there. People are living on it for long periods yeah. of time and in, going in, outside it, in suits. In zero gravity, yeah, for months. In, in zero gravity. Like, we've just decided, when, back in the, when, when did we first launch the space station? Was this in the 90s? God, yeah, maybe so. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. So much it's so, this long. is like, oh, yeah, of course, there's people living on the space station. I, I, I yeah. often use that as a, as a comparison of things. Like, literally, we can have people living on the space station, but I can't figure <laughs> out how to get Wi-Fi in my basement. You know, like, it's just... <laughs> How is that a thing? You know, that just reminding ourselves of the human endeavor and accomplishment of this of this space station business. Uh, do, will, will you be watching this tomorrow as a you know as a person, no, as a professor? No, and no, I, I, I was like I was I wasn't planning to uh, no walk. So, um, but I know spacewalk would be a boy. Can you imagine? I can't is imagine it, just the like. Do people the, freak out when they? get out there and there's nothing between know. them and falling I, to the I, earth. I think you have to have this to be an astronaut. I think you got to have this kind of ability to like, I don't know, like focus and you know, sure. you're out there with a job to do, right? How could you possibly focus on replacing the solar panels when the earth is down there? <laughs> right. You know, like, Oh look, you know, there's Sri Lanka. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, how could you not just stare at it? Hey, mom, and, I can and, see our house from here. Yeah. It. Yeah. And then yeah. there's wonder at it. Um, I would have a hard time focusing on anything but but looking down at the earth. And also, well, the I'm, view of the sky is probably pretty spectacular up there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at the earth. It's just, it would just blow your blow your mind. And then, so these people are obviously accomplished to the highest level of degree, whatever yeah. it takes to be an astronaut, which I'm assuming is math and is, is, <laughs> is math. And then yeah. they also just have to go out and be a repairman, right? Like literally, (laughs) like then you're the guy climbing on the roof, you know, putting the, you know, drilling in a solar panel with a, with a, I mean, they have a wrench or something, I'm guessing, right? right? Like it's not, at some point there, it's not theoretical thoughts that you're having or, or data that you're programming. It's It's a thing. It's it's like, it's like, uh, I need my socket wrench kind of thought thinking. Yeah. You got a wrist belt on. You thought of astronauts as like, well, most of them were test pilots, and you know, there's this yeah. like space cowboy vibe that astronauts yeah. have. But 
a lot of it is really mundane. Like they have just tons yeah. of lists of procedures, yeah. Yeah. You know, step just, by step by step. Yeah. It's super hmm. regulated. Yeah. Super yeah. scheduled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is a funny uh, a, a contrast. Yeah. And the, the idea of the astronaut as the, as the, you know, the cowboy out on the final frontier mm-hmm. and, uh, but what they're actually doing all the time, you know, is like, you know, where's the socket wrench? Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I'm, I'm now trying to, trying to look up on the internet how, uh, how far away is the space station? It's space only a couple station. hundred, only a couple hundred miles. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you can that. see it yep. at night, most nights. Yeah, if you, know where, little... if, if you know where and when to look, yeah, uh, that's, kind that's of exactly right. Yeah, it just looks like a satellite or whatever, or is it? Is yeah, it a little more... dot of light traveling across the sky? Uh, twelve hundred miles, low Earth 12, orbit. Twelve hundred miles. Orbit. Yeah, but hey, it turns out it's still difficult huh. to do things in space, and uh, the Japanese found this out. Yeah, they tried to land uh, an unmanned craft on the moon, and it looks like it crashed and failed. Uh, they lost yep. communication as it was landing. I... I hate it for him because it was apparently yeah. it was like seconds before it was to touch down. Mm-hmm. You know, huh. everybody was like on the, literally on the edge of their seats waiting to hear the good news, and all of a sudden it just went dark. Yeah, that's such a bummer. Yeah, but it does remind you like we went to the moon in the sixties, yeah, <laughs> and early seventies with like the power, like our cell phones are more powerful Way computers more powerful. than what they yeah. had then. And yeah. we're still struggling to get back. Yeah. It's not easy. All, all the modern technology and we still can't land a, a thing safely yeah. on the moon. Well, the difference in this is that this was a, um, the Japanese have done a lot of course, uh, in space. Um, Quite a lot. In fact, they have a, a big part of the space station is is was built by the Japan and they're they're big players. But this was the first time a um a private company. It was it was right. a private deal. Uh, tried to land something on the moon. This is the first time a private company had tried to land something on any body other than Earth. Hmm. Oh. So it was kind of a big deal. Uh, apparently, this company has two more. Um. Can't remember the iSpace. I think is it. Uh, iSpace has two more attempts, basically, in in, in the pipeline. Mm. So, so hopefully, it'll, they'll have better better uh, situation next time. Better luck next time. Yeah. Do any ideas on what what happened? Like why it? <laughs> well, according to the article, like there, <laughs> it, it it's it's a little bit uh, disappointing to read because based on that on, on that article, the video that is linked here. Uh, the suspicion right now, nobody's quite sure, but the suspicion is that it ran out of fuel. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Because it apparently started going quite fast, which it would, which maybe would happen if if uh, it got light enough. As it got lighter, it's going to go take less thrust to make it move uh, fast. I don't know, but anyway, that's their suspicion: is that it? It you know, I don't know how high above the surface it was, but basically, the last so many meters or whatever it just wow. fell. Well, if I remember right, that's also what happened with, with, with there was such some of the big worry about when when people landed on the moon the first time, right? They were like we think we could run out of fuel here and <laughs> god, like like they really cut this, they really cut this close, right? They're like, yeah. you know, 
Cascade says I have 42 miles left. We can make it 46. <laughs> I, I don't know why. That, <laughs> yeah. that seems yeah. curious to me. Yeah. That you wouldn't, Boy, the, wouldn't talk about a nightmare. That, that's literally a nightmare, like, like to be stuck on the moon and not unable to get back off. Yep. <laughs> Good point. I mean, Good point. <laughs> what a hellish thought. <laughs> hey, and, uh, and, and Twitter exploder, uh, Elon Musk, his company also blew up a rocket trying to, yeah. trying to take it off last, last Twi- week. They're, they're Twitter big exploder. one. Yeah. Did um, any of you watch the launch? No. No. So, did you see it? Yeah, I watched it. It was really fun. What was fascinating though, you know, it's a shot from, you know, the launch pad area. You see it taken off. You also see a shot of like mission control, all the SpaceX employees. Uh-huh. And so you're watching this, they cheer, it takes off, it's looking good. And then as you know, it explodes. And when I see a rocket explode, the typical reaction would be like Oh no. SpaceX erupts in applause. Everyone's <laughs> cheering like they just did something really good. And then they spun it after the fact. Maybe you saw some of this as like a great success because even when you fail, you learn a lesson. And I'm like, yeah, but your rocket still blew up. Like that's still not great. It's not what you were trying to do. Yeah, no. I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> well, why. Sure, you learned something, but you didn't. You didn't confirm the things you thought you knew. Obviously, right. you, you got you more to learn. You know, something. I Is am not. I am not a fan of Elon Musk. Let me just preface this comment with with that. So don't get the wrong idea. But I can easily see a situation. I mean, if if. If mission control erupted in applause when it exploded, I mean, I don't think my suspicion is that getting it off the launch pad really was a success. And that uh-huh. was all that they really hoped that that was their goal. That was their mission goal was to get it off the launch pad, well up, you know, away from you know, over the ocean, you know, that kind huh. of thing. And what they what, what okay. they called yeah. this this is a quote was rapid unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's rapid what I told my mom. That's what I told my parents when I wrecked their car. I was like, oh, I don't. <laughs> just had a little uh, rapid unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which, which also could be a description of Twitter's uh, last year and a half, right? Boy, um, this disaster. whole guy is just a just a just a disassembler. Um, yeah. Disaster. It, it, it this is, I'll just say for like popular understanding of science, and you want I want people to care about it. I think it's really cool. I think rockets are freaking awesome. But the idea that these that we're still at a stage in which we're blowing things up like a bunch of kids, and you know, leading up to the Fourth of July, just cheering because they like big bangs and booms, and things are blowing up and parts of you know. The stuff's falling in the ocean or Japanese landing crafts are now cluttering, you know, are smattered around the moon. I don't know. This just all gives off a, a really bad vibe in a world in which I think people want there to be a little bit more caring concern for just leaving crap around. You know, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Is that, has, has anybody been sort of generally bothered by 
just blowing up huge rockets in the sky (laughs) and falling on the ocean and starting small little fires and on public in public parks, which apparently also happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm not saying that people, we shouldn't do it, but shouldn't we figure this out and not be like, Hey, you know, what'll likely happen, but it'd be a good thing is if this thing gets, you know, a few thousand feet in the air and then blows up, that's still a win. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like, I don't know, maybe, that seems reckless. Like, what other industry gets to do that? Well, and what's you know? interesting is in this case, they rushed the launch. They were supposed to wait for uh, this new launch pad. They were going to have steel that was cooled by water, and that was supposed mm-hmm. to you know be a better launch pad. They didn't wait for that. Um, and the old-style concrete launch pad like couldn't stand the heat or pressure, cracked and exploded and launched just huge chunks like miles away. And they ruined their launch pad. Like it is unusable. They completely obliterated it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, they disassembled it. Doug, you you mentioned a minute ago what other industry gets to do this. And my my hunch is that uh, probably a lot of them, but, but they don't have their, they're not having it televised. Okay. You know, they're, they're not having it on the, you know, live streamed. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so. I spend time out there sorting the plastic that I'm putting into uh-huh. the cans for the garbage <laughs> people to pick up because it's my duty. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are blowing up rockets that are then spewing stuff. I mean, how much fuel is just uh, un- uh, unleashed? No it, it, like, what is the ecological impact of any of this? Do, uh, do you know? I don't I mean, know. I, I don't no know, but I can't imagine it's, it's close <laughs> to zero. I can't, I can't imagine it's zero well, and, plus right. one. Surrounding communities are not happy about this and tried to prevent SpaceX from putting in some of these new launch pads and stuff like that. But they are, like, I love the ambition. Like, this is the biggest right. rocket ever. I've got a thing on the screen that shows, like, comparatively the size of the space shuttle launch vehicle mm. and, uh, you know... The Saturn V. This yeah. is bigger than the Saturn V, and the ship itself is just massive. Um, also, it may be the most phallic of all five of those. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> like dermic needle. Like, okay, right Elon, we get you're overcompensating. But. Yeah, right. You've got the biggest rocket, Elon. Way to go. Um, well, and this is all to, I mean, th- this is part of the send something up in the sky so it can come back project, right? Yeah. This is the, the reusable that right. we're, I guess, so I guess it shows how hard this is because a success is, is so, still so hard blowing up 1500 feet in the air or 3000 feet in the air, whatever it is. Um, it, it, yeah, look, it, we're going to keep doing rockets. I'm glad we're back to rocket business. Um, and that, that'd be really great. But the idea that SpaceX blows th- that when things blow up it's not it's it's considered cheer cheerable success and they came yeah. out immediately i mean they had a press release ready to go yeah. on why this is a positive part of their part of their work and part of their plan yeah it felt uh, it, a little cultish like can do totally. no wrong like that's okay yeah. to like be bummed out that your million dollar rocket uh, I, I see what you're saying dan yeah i get that like, i get <laughs> yeah. that yeah, yeah. No one, no one says a bad thing about the, you know, about the, about the project. Right. 
uh, or or uh, or a uh, dear leader. Yeah, dear leader. <laughs> but check out this image on the screen uh, just to get a scale of the size of these rockets. Wow. This is an image of uh, them putting the rocket together, and there's people in between, and this thing just dwarfs the people. Yeah. This is like a skyscraper that yes. we shoot yeah. into space. Yeah, yeah, it's a skyscraper. Right. And you see these, maybe you've seen in other images, these little um, directional fins. They're like uh, the wind can go through them, but they can turn and direct uh, the Mm. ship. I had no concept for how large these are. These are like the size of a a huge SUV or something. These, what I thought were little fins. I think almost like a small bus or something. Hmm. How many yeah. camels would that be then? Is this like four <laughs> camels? <laughs> I see. Camel I wish they would have told us right away how many camels yeah. this was. Yeah. So we had some sort of concept. Yeah, that's deep cut for people that listen regularly to the podcast. <laughs> the this makes me even more freaked out about this stuff blowing up and just spewing out into the ocean and falling. Right? Is that how again? How big it is. You know, um, it's simply stunning. Hey, uh, Peggy has a, a question in the in the chat, Paul. Yeah, what is it that keeps the space station uh, up there twelve hundred miles away? Um, oh, a good question. Yeah, is it gonna yeah. is it gonna fall back? To, to Eventually, it, if it didn't have any sort of uh, thrusters to, to to keep it up, it would. But it would be pretty slow. There's still some air up there, but not very much. Uh, probably about zero, that high. But it, it um, has fuel. It has it, the space well, stations. It, it's, it's got a, It doesn't. The fuel does not keep it moving forward in its orbit. Okay. The fuel, if it has fuel and it needs to boost itself, it would boost itself higher. It wouldn't boost itself forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what keeps it from fa- well, put it this way: it is falling, just like the moon is always falling. Okay, it's in free fall. It's in what we physicists call free fall, mm-hmm. but it's moving around the Earth fast enough that the Earth curves out from under it just at the right rate. So it's it's falling, but it's also moving forward. But as so as it falls, the Earth curves out from underneath it, so it always maintains the same height because it's 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 just really it's forward. It's, it's it's motion around the Earth that keeps it that keeps it from hitting the Earth. So it's, fa- I would it's love, falling. I would love to draw you a picture, but basically, it's falling, but not getting any, but not getting closer to the Earth. Right, it's like falling imagine in that. Was, in imagine that I was on top of a mountain. I'm like I'm hanging on top of a mountain, and I throw a rock forward. Imagine Looking the down Earth on is, creation. Right, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the rock's going to go forward and then drop, right? But if I throw it faster, it'll go further before it drops. Okay. And if I throw but it some faster. Point, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take longer to hit the ground because the Earth is curving down in the same direction that it's falling, but the Earth is curving down away from it. Okay. But if I throw it at the right okay. speed, I can throw the rock and then wait about ninety minutes and it'll come back behind my head and pass mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what the that's what the that's what the space station is doing. That's what the moon is doing. So what will eventually cause it to not keep moving faster then? If the boosters are not pushing it forward, what is pushing it forward that keeps its own, it? it, it it's, it's what we call inertia. Its own. Okay. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. 
So until, it's in motion around the earth as it'll tend to keep going that way until something slows it down or speeds it up. And what's going to slow it down ultimately? Uh, it's drag, drag with, with whatever remnants of atmospheres up there. Here we go. It's like a drag, drag reading. This is going to be a, a library drag, drag, drag story. Oh, different, different one. So, <laughs> different uh, kind of drag, I'm afraid. Yeah, different, different drag. So the drag is going to hold the uh, ultimate, that, like there's just enough air and wind or It'll air and... slow it the, down the, the end, the, What would happen if we let it go was it, it would eventually be dragged down by the air friction and it would spiral into the earth and crash. Disassemble. But, mm -hmm. but it dis it rapidly, yeah. <laughs> rapid... Un unscheduled uh, un Dis disassembled, yeah. <laughs> whatever it's called. But uh, if we keep it boosted, if we keep it at the right, at the right, yeah, um, you give it a nudge upward every so nudge often. Upward, it will it'll maintain its orbit. Do they fly things up to the space station to fuel it? Are, are there fuel? I don't know. That's, what, that that's what, I don't know the answer to that. My my suspicion is that they must because they do need you know. Maybe their thrusters or whatever they use are powered by the solar panels. I don't know. Yeah, I think they oh. resupply all that stuff when but they, I suspect swap they do out resupply. Crew and, yeah. Because really? you need to actually have some sort of, of physical thrust. Right. Huh. Uh, to you have to be ejecting something to keep it yeah. boosted. Mm -hmm. And again, again, we couldn't apparently catch the spy balloon but we can pull this off we can shoot <laughs> we can refuel a space station up in the middle of the sky. <laughs> unbelievable uh uh well paul thank you again for uh uh mind opening and uh, i see kimberly says hey you guys started early today on thursdays kimberly if you're if you're working out the complex formula of when is the common good podcast live on thursdays at least every other thursday when it's astrophysicist paul wallace day it's it's 8 a.m. Central Time. And of course, you all know that that's 7 Mountain Time, which should be the basis of all being confused about what time zone we're in. 9 a.m. <laughs> if you're in the Eastern Time Zone. And if you're in uh, uh, Puerto Rico, I don't, I don't know what time it is now that daylight savings time is over. So <laughs> but don't what if do that, you're but on the space station? What, what time, do, time they do they set? Is it Houston? Is it Florida? They, they use something called universal time. They, they might be... It's, it's basically First, Greenwich time. It's basically okay. Greenwich time. I don't know if they use that, but they've got their own time synced up with Houston or whoever. Hmm. Well, and you know they do have the internet up there. This is this is true. They have internet connectivity on the space station. Maybe if we put a request out, we could get a conversation with some of the space station people, and they could give us a, you know, a little tour. That would be oh, that would, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm sure they're busy, but they might have some time. And yeah. maybe maybe nobody asks. Maybe these people are just up there floating around. Like, boy, I just feel like people don't even think about us anymore. Like, unless we're out, unless we're out, you know, doing something fancy, fixing fixing a solar panel. Nobody, that would nobody be, ever remembers that would, us. That would be almost as cool as doing a live podcast from a from a total solar eclipse somewhere. Which, by the way, we are doing on what was the date? April <laughs> April thirtieth. April 8th, 2024. Yep. Mark your calendars. Uh, mark your calendars and find your way somewhere between West Texas and Indiana. And we will, <laughs> we will be there pointing cameras at the, at the, at the sky. Uh, all right. Anybody else? Um, I'm good. I was going to read the, read the comments. Um, all right. Thanks, Peggy and Kimberly and Mark. And there was somebody else in the Brett. Brett. 
Brett. Yeah, welcome, Brett. Haven't seen you before in the chat. Nice, nice to see you. If anybody uh, is interested in chatting with us when we do it live, YouTube is our favorite place. But of course, you can also do it on on Facebook and places where you see this. But if you're not yet on our YouTube channel, that's the place that helps us and what we do the most. If you watch and like and share and subscribe and that stuff over there, that's 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 most helpful. Paul, you got anything more for us? I don't think so. Are the are the st- are the students? By the way, Paul is also a professor. Are you? Uh, are the students in finals now? Are they? Is this it? Are they? Yeah, they're they're, they're basically wrapping up. This is the last week of classes. Does a professor it, like you feel a lot of like your own pressure that you want to have done well in educating these students? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I really I really do. And this is a it's a it's a tough time of year, um, just because everybody's so just like just like. Just want to stick a fork in it, you know. And <laughs> Enough's uh, enough. Yeah, it's like you know. Yeah, people just get cranky. You know, this it's is people. Everyone's kind of done. Yeah, everybody. Everybody was done about a month ago. <laughs> you yeah. know. Oh yeah. I mean, no. It's not like people are out there like you know. It's not like a brawls on the quad or anything. Huh. Um, but yeah, everybody's just you know stressed out. Students are you know tired of it. Frankly, we're a little tired, and but you know the funny thing is, is like within a week of wrapping it up and putting the grades in, I'll be like, "Boy, I can't wait till next semester." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like college. When I went to college, I feel like it went through May, almost to June. Am I just making that up? No, that's that's right. A lot of colleges did that. Uh, were you on a quarter system, or were I you on? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of years ago, and I didn't. I didn't really remember. It just felt like it was like all May. And I, have a, I was with a, another friend who's a professor last night. He's like, "Yeah, no, this is finals week, and the, and the stu- so the students are done tomorrow." No, I think I graduated in early like, June. <laughs> I, I think I graduated in early June, and I know my dad graduated in early June also. Yeah. That's and some graduations I, and stuff. Yeah. Part. I also think there's a, a little bit of a geographic difference. I think that the schools in the South tend to have a different schedule, maybe because we were oh. agrarian longer. Um, I don't, I don't know um, exactly why that is, but um, well, yeah. So we know you have a class to teach soon. So yeah, I so do. We'll this see better let you go. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sure thing. Bye. Bye.